and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. This is not only a season-ending episode, but a year-ending one as well. And what a year it has been. No doubt. So many amazing, caring people have shared their time and stories with us with the intention of reaching out to other people who are still stuck in or diminished by depression. It's also the year that Mental Health America of Wisconsin sponsored us for a year-long partnership which has allowed us to continue both this podcast and our daily social media outreach. Today, we are going to do a quick summary of the last nine episodes, which comprised our 11th season. As you may know, we stop about every 10 episodes to do a review, to catch our breath, (laughs) and to give us some time to set up interviews for next season. We started this season back in October with episode 116, Motivating Yourself When Struggling Mentally. It's one of our most played interviews, which just goes to show how many people with depression struggle with focus and motivation. Our guest was Sarah Fielding, a New York City-based writer. Her tips were for the times we're still functional, but not working at 100%. One tip Sarah herself uses regularly is breaking the day's work down into bite-sized tasks and writing them down. She says lists encourage productivity, reduce distractions, and focus the mind. Yeah, so I definitely think that my favorite thing about lists is that I just feel like by immediately writing down what I need to do, I'm already being productive. I know that when I have 10 things I need to do and they're just swimming around in my head, it just feels overwhelming and impossible to do anything. And then when I see it all written down, it just makes it so much more manageable to see what I really need to get done. And nine times out of 10, when I actually write down everything I need to do, I notice that that list is so much smaller than it seemed in my head and just seems a million times more manageable. We continued our conversation with Sarah in episode 117. While her tips for organizing and motivating ourselves at work could be used by anyone, her article was written for those of us with depression and or anxiety, since we may need to jumpstart ourselves a little more regularly. We discussed, among other suggestions, the value of taking short breaks during the day. Obviously, there are days where you're just going to feel like you don't have a moment for breath. That's okay. That happens to everyone. But if you have just literally five minutes to just stretch your arms at your desk, get a drink of water, get some fresh air, it's just that five-minute refresh where you're not, don't think in that five minutes, okay, I should be doing this, I should be doing this right now, why am I taking these five minutes? If you're going to do it, you need to give yourself five minutes free from this pressure of work. 
and just let your brain just relax for a moment. Like you said, sometimes when you're just allowing your brain to relax is when the best ideas and thoughts come to you. So I think just giving yourself that five-minute refresh is such a great way to refocus and be productive for the rest of the day. Yeah, it's hardly wasted time, right? It's a it's a reset. Every you know, the computer has to do its update. You know, maybe we do too every now and then to just be able to work at our best. Exactly. No, I think that's such a good point. That anytime we feel like we're not working during the day, it feels like it's wasted time when in reality you're wasting time more so if you're just pushing through too hard and then not working to the best of your ability. But if you take literally just five minutes and allow yourself that small refresh, it can make you use the rest of your time so much better versus just trying to push through instead. So I think in reality, it's the opposite of wasted time. Again, Sarah's episodes were numbers 116 and 17, Motivating Yourself When Struggling Mentally, Parts 1 and 2. Next was episode 118, Insights from a Trauma Survivor. Renee's story was a vivid, powerful, and inspiring reminder to keep looking for the key to your own recovery until you find it. When meds, certain therapies, even a court trial, did not provide relief from her childhood trauma-fueled depression, she just kept trying other things until she found therapies that not only help, but allow her to live the life she, and all of us, deserves. That was a really scary first step to take. I mean, it's a scary process to go through, to, like, touch it at all, you know? A lot of survivors completely detach that part of themselves and to, like, decide to voluntarily go back and open this crazy, scary door that you've mentally blocked is terrifying, um, but once I got there and I started some individual therapy and then the group, the group therapy is enormous because as this podcast I'm sure does for people, it lets you know that there's other people that feel the exact same way as me. And even if their stories are different, you know, it's the emotions and the, the heart of it that is very similar and to just have somebody validate you in that way that like, I'm not crazy. It's not that I'm just taking this too hard. It's like, this is a real thing that causes a real impact and, and real devastation. More of Renee's recovery story and the lasting effects of adverse childhood experiences or ACEs in episode 118, Insights from a Trauma Survivor. Episode 119, If You See Something, Say Something, was the first of a two-part conversation with one of the very few survivors of a suicide attempt from the Golden Gate Bridge. With the perspective of decades since his jump, Ken shared candidly about not only what brought him to that hopeless place, but also what could have stopped him. If you think the phrase suicide is preventable or reach out to someone who is struggling are slogans and not truths, we highly recommend that you listen to the full episode. I still believe to this day that if somebody had come up and said, hey, listen, there is recovery. There is something we can do for you. Let's get you some help. I, I would have accepted that. I would have, I would have tried that. So if somebody had said, we have a fix, let's try this, I would have gone with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Ken continued sharing his story in episode 120 instant regret. 
Best reporting practices recommend avoiding discussions of the method used when discussing a suicide death or attempt. But the opportunity to hear that the instant Ken began to fall, he knew he had made the worst mistake in his life, is so compelling that after consulting with suicide prevention experts, we decided it was too important not to share. To be honest, it's one of the lessons we will never forget. It hurt me so much to understand that all the people that I loved, my wife, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my brothers, everybody was going to be so hurt by it because I never left a note. I never, they would never know, they would never know that it wasn't about them and they would always have this guilt. I should have stopped him. I should have seen it. I don't know what happened. I would have really changed their lives forever for the worse. And beyond that, did you connect with a will to live? In the water, I was swimming and I was saying, somebody please save me, somebody please save me. I wanna live, I wanna live. And so, yeah, I did a, a complete 180 in the air. I, I realized that the, the things that I felt were unfixable, my failure, were actually very fixable. Wow. And, and that's, that's a huge part of it is that I, I did realize that this pain didn't have to go on forever. I needed help, but it didn't have to go on forever. That was my realization on the way down. Are you willing to tell me what that means? What, what was fixable? What was fixable was my mindset. See, when I was suicidal, my mindset uh, was that I needed to die. And this came about slowly. I, 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 I talk about a black vortex that I go down and that I went down. And even my wife would say, hey, I love you. And uh, there, was, there was nothing there. I wouldn't accept praise. But anything mm -hmm. bad would get through. And so, so what had to change is my mindset. Slowly but surely, with a lot of help, now when she says, you're a good human being, I love you, I accept that. And I know that I can trust that. And that's, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. To hear more of Ken's story, Please listen to episodes 119 and 120 in their entirety. You won't soon forget them. I Have Been Right Where You Are, episode 121, is yet another important and convincing story that no matter how far down you are, the bottom does not have to be the end. Jordan was a young man who regularly prayed to God to take his life. His anxiety and depression were worsened by his alcoholism, and at times, he only felt safe when he was hiding in his own closet. Jordan is now a social worker, literally working in the same mental health facility where he was treated. Like Ken and Renee, Jordan is living proof that with treatment and effort, life can and does change in unimaginable ways. Depression is powerful and real, but so is hope. I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that if I got sober, I could, that could be like my greatest asset is like, because that's what you hear nowadays from, from anybody who's unwilling to go see somebody and willing to go get help is 
the person on the other side is not going to understand what I'm going through. And that's a perfectly legitimate concern because they probably don't know what you're going through because they probably haven't gone through it because if they have gone through it, they wouldn't be on the other side of the desk, right? They would have not made it that far because few, very few people do. Um, so I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that that could be my strength that, and it is my biggest strength that when I go to a scene now, or I go to meet with somebody who's suicidal or who's in their addiction, I can say, I have been right where you have been. And I think that that automatically makes a connection that can't be broken or develops a trust that there's, there otherwise wouldn't be. Jordan's full episode, number 121, I Have Been Right Where You Have Been, tells his story and the value of peer support. Episode 122, How to Talk to Your Parents About Your Depression, started with an anonymous note from a college student asking for advice on how to get his parents to understand that he is suffering and needs help with his depression when he was fearful that they may dismiss him. We turned to a private psychologist for some do's and don'ts and released it before Thanksgiving when many students would be home for the first extended visit and might have the opportunity for face-to-face conversations about mental health. What you want to do is you want to tell your parents what you've been feeling and stress to them how it has been affecting your ability to function. So, for example, I would recommend that you say, I've been feeling tired, I've been feeling sad, and I'm not doing as well as I usually am able to in school or in the activities that I usually am able to, you know, participate in and feel really good about. And then you could give them some examples. And you just say, I just don't feel right, and nothing that I have tried has helped, and I'd like to talk to someone um, or if, if you've already sought help, I already am talking to someone who can teach me some ways to deal with this and to feel better. I think most parents care deeply about their children's ability to function, and that's what you really want to highlight. After the episode aired, the student who prompted the episode posted on our Facebook community page, thanking Dr. Sands for her help and updating us that he did find the courage to speak to his parents and seek help. He said while there is still work to be done, he's doing much better now. Again, the full episode is called How to Talk to Your Parents About Your Depression, and it's episode 122. Excellent news. Next was I Didn't Know What to Do, episode 123. We are continuously touched by our guests' willingness to expose raw, vulnerable sides of themselves and their experiences when it would feel so much easier to just keep them hidden. That's particularly true in Sarah's case. Sarah works in a medical college where she's earning her Ph.D. researching depression and suicide. Yet, or because of that, she realized the value in sharing about her suicidal crisis and the fact she was terrified and unprepared for it, despite her extensive training. Like, I I didn't see that anything was ever going to be any different. I mean, I had been feeling this way for, for several months, and it was not getting better. In fact, it was getting worse, and I just, I was ready to just be done. I mean, that was my plan. Again, I'm in this field. I've, I've done all the trainings. And even then, at that point, I, was, I wasn't 
sure what to do. I mean, I I knew that I needed to get help. I didn't know if I should go to the ER. I didn't know what I should do. I didn't know if I should. I didn't know if I should do anything. I didn't. I was afraid that I would drive myself to the hospital and go up to the front desk and what do I say to these people? Again, our thanks to Sarah for understanding the value of shared stories, peer support, and the power of vulnerability. One of the tools Sarah realized she was missing that might have really helped on that awful day is a safety plan, a written list of people to reach out to, reminders of what and who are important to you, and that you do have purpose and value, as well as other resources and steps to help you stay safe until the suicidal crisis passes. So we devoted episode 124 to the safety plan. Our guest is Marie, a peer specialist. She not only has her own safety document, but helps others to create theirs too. So I have um, a wellness recovery action plan, which is part of Mary Ellen Copeland's um, work that she does. Uh, Part of that includes a crisis plan, which is very similar. But the RAP plan, the wellness recovery action plan or RAP plan also includes like a daily maintenance plan. So things I I do every day, even on really bad days, Um, it's helped me identify some of my triggers Mm -hmm. and it kind of helps me in every stage that I'm in. So if when we're feeling resourced or well, we can come up with um, the plan that we'll, we'll break down step by step then you've got it and you can use it as a foundation to stand on when you're not resourced to make good decisions for yourself. And it's something that many people do in therapy with their therapist or with a close friend. It's certainly something one can do oneself. Yeah, we want to make these plans when we're, we're well. We want to have that clear headspace in the presence to, to be able to make a plan that's going to work for us, that's very specific to us. Um, and that people can utilize when we're in a really dark place. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing I think you touched on is accessibility. Um, I actually have um, a plan in my cell phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, um, just to be kind of a constant reminder. We called that episode the gift of a safety plan in hopes of encouraging you to join us in creating our own plans before the year's end. Preparing for a crisis is always more effective and helpful when done well before a crisis. That was a great season, and we sincerely thank every guest from this and the previous 10 seasons. We routinely get notes and emails saying your stories, you, our guests, give listeners hope coping strategies, and the knowledge that they are not alone in their battle against this cunning illness. We wish you all peace and health in the new year. We're in this together. We'll be back in the new year with new episodes. Be well. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up. 